0: Hey everyone, thanks for tuning back into Fifty Shades of Blue. On today's episode, Chase and I talk about kind of the normal banter back and forth. We get into um, how we think Pi Day is kind of ridiculous, as well as uh, the long jump. I have a problem with the long jump. I think it's a bogus event. And then from there, we kind of get into the big news for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which was that it was discovered that uh, Elder Uchdorf or someone closely associated with him had donated money to um, a few pretty big democratic campaigns, um, which is against actual church policy, so he had to come out and make a statement. Anyway, we address all that, just kind of the implications of that, what that means um, for the church, for the members of the church, kind of the nuance behind that and everything and whatever else. And then from there, we actually do get into big, pretty big coverage of BYU sports because there was a lot going on, BYU's in the... NCAA tournament coming up this week and their seating and where they stand kind of their pathway we think we talk a little bit about that and then the other big news is that we talk about Tom Homo who's the athletic director for BYU he won an award uh, national recognition from a group that recognizes good athletic directors and I talk about how I think his career has been pretty overrated for BYU as a whole and Anyway, sorry if you take issue with that. Um, If you're really not into the BYU thing, I think you might at least be intrigued by about the first half of this podcast, and then from there you can kind of just make your own judgments for that and tune out if you want. No harm done, no offense taken. Anyway, thank you all for tuning in again. I really appreciate it, and uh, please keep giving me feedback about what you think about the topics and kind of what your thoughts are, maybe other things that you might find interesting to cover. Appreciate it. Appreciate your time. And I uh, hope you all enjoy this one.
1: College basketball star at BYU. Shut the hell up! That's one of my lyrics in the song. There Couldn't be a, a prouder older brother than me. Carlino. A bounce to
0: Haas. Haas posting up short corner right to the middle. Fades away. Yeah! The goal. Watch the three. When you do what's right on and off the field, uh, I, I think the Lord steps in and, and uh, plays a you know plays a part in that. Magic happens. What? all right chase it's been another week and we are back and we have a whole slew of topics to talk about it's funny like sometimes i feel like maybe we won't maybe we'll have to kind of just like do a shorter podcast or whatever you know maybe not give the people what they want exactly but lo and behold things take place and we feel like it is our duty to cover them because it is i don't care what anyone says well let's dig in let's dig in today's pie day it's P- 3.14
1: pumpkin pie day that's the only legitimate pie out there
0: that's really really stupid okay name. You know what i mean it's pumpkin pie day only because it's the only legitimate pie name a better you pie. only like pumpkin
1: i don't only- i don't care
0: about better pies there's tons of other great pies out there no pumpkin is not even close to the best pumpkin's not bad but and for one that's opinion but Please don't – like, don't tell me that you haven't had pies that are, like, amazing still outside of pumpkin.
1: Here's the difference. Any other pie, I'll eat one piece and I'm done. Pumpkin pie, I could sit down and eat an entire pumpkin pie and not think twice.
0: I think that actually says a lot about you for some reason. It probably that does. it actually explains a lot, yeah.
1: I will say this. per yeah, like – Per square inch, the Costco pumpkin pie is the greatest value – on earth i mean if you were you could feed the entire homeless population extremely efficiently with just costco pumpkin pies alone
0: how did pumpkin pie on pie day become one of your hottest takes this makes me want to get through this topic as quickly as possible because <laughs> i'm hating this
1: well fine we can move on uh you know you're listening. i mean
0: it's i just think i i didn't even have any pie today ne- um, neither did I. I i think pie day is a weird day I remember, like in middle school, it seemed like kind of a big deal because you'd given you an excuse for your math teachers to bring pie to school, and you'd be like, "Oh yeah, we all have pie at school. That's cool," because that never happens.
1: Yeah, it was kind of a nerd but, day.
0: Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Like, I don't. I mean, all it is has become like the marketing companies have just kind of latched on, and they're like, "Now it's now there's pizza pie out there." I think they're giving deals for that.
1: Although I will say, I'll take. I'll, I'll take Pi Day over these stupid National Donut Days that everyone tries to pull off because of Instagram.
0: I love donuts, though.
1: Yeah, but there's like five National Donut Days every year. I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> it does actually seem like there are a lot of
0: donut days. Why is that?
1: Because people want to post on Instagram. That's why.
0: Like homemade donuts is something I feel like I could get into. Like I could get behind that.
1: Yeah, so. that sounds good to me.
0: Anyway, whatever. Pie day. Who freaking cares? I'm, <laughs> I guess you could say I'm anti pie day because there's pie is so great, it should not be relegated to one day. So there you go. Same thing about donuts while we're at it. Which, it's are there any other it. desserts that have their own day besides donuts and pie? Which I don't know if donut is a dessert, but whatever. Sweet treat, whatever you want to classify it as.
1: I mean, birthdays have cake, so you can call that.
0: No, there's not a cake day though. In order to be equivalent, It would have to be a cake day. Fair enough. Anyway, all right, well. So I was watching this clip on House of Highlights, and it was showing this guy that was doing the long jump, and it was extremely impressive. I mean, the guy jumped like, I don't know, like 10 feet or something like that. But then it occurred to me, when is the long jump ever valuable in your life at all? Like the long jump is kind of a stupid thing to compete in, because it doesn't do anything for you in the long run. Like the javelin, you could kind of make like kind of throw into there as well. But then people are like, well, yeah, but they like use the javelin for like wars and stuff to kill people. Um, the pole vault is another kind of strange one, but I guess it was really useful in Aladdin, so I could see even why the pole vault <laughs> had its place, and they were kind of like trying to make competitions about who could do it better and whatnot. But the I don't understand the long jump at all because I don't see how that's good in war in any type of battle scenario where you can like, you know, keep like run really fast and then take this huge leap. Maybe like maybe jumping over rivers, I could see that being like well. There was the valuable g- then.
1: There was the guy on that movie Vertical Limit who jumped across the chasm and with his ice axes and latched on. I don't. Do you remember that movie? That was. That. I do
0: remember Vertical Limit. Yeah. I didn't really like it that much though, even as a kid.
1: I'm sure it would be super lame now. At the time, I thought it was cool, but I don't think I could go back and watch it again.
0: I mean, it's kind of epic in the sense where it's like, wow, K2, that's crazy. But then at the end of the day, even as a kid, I was like, wait a second. So they sent like eight people to go save three, and in the process, like six of them died and only saved one. (laughs) So I was like, that seems kind of pointless. They made a movie about this.
1: Well, the success rate of climbing that mountain is insanely low. I, I think, like, a, I, I could be totally off here, but I'm pretty sure it's something like 20% of the people that attempt that die. That's K2? Yeah, I'm pretty... I, I could be totally wrong on that. Don't quote me is on that it
0: more than more. Everest?
1: Yeah, it's definitely more than Everest, yeah.
0: Hmm. Yeah, well, you know, you do know, seem to know a little bit more about that than your average person, at least. Um. By the way, do you ever have a goal to hike any of those places?
1: Uh, no. I feel like you have to have you kind of have to have a low value on your longevity if you get into those extreme uh, summits like that. I mean, I would maybe do something like uh, Kilimanjaro, but those ones where you're climbing up like ice walls and avalanche-ridden just hellscapes—I don't think I would do that.
0: Yeah, Everest terrifies me. That's, I mean, I've never, I would never get close to even, uh, even having the choice to do so. But if I, even if I did, I'd be like, no, nah, I'm good.
1: Also, it's I'm kind good. of beca- it's, not... it's kind of become an amusement park because there's only small windows to hike these mountains, and so when they are, they just bring you up there like cattle, and you're stuck behind. Wasn't all... it
0: the deadliest day just like a year and a half ago?
1: When they, when they, all those people died. Yeah, I think that was pretty recent. Yeah.
0: Yeah, crazy. Anyway, so I saw that on House of Highlights, long jump, and I'm like, the long jump's stupid. Like, who cares? Like, like even in the NBA, it's not that valuable. It's just so, like, guys can do their best reenactment of MJ dunking from the free throw line so they can have, like, half their foot actually be in front of it. And that would be a good jump Well, who from the free throw line.
1: Who even decides, uh, like, one day I'm going to do the long jump? It just seems like yeah. A... And how do you know if
0: you're good at it too?
1: If you're fast? I don't I don't, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I
0: don't know. I, 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 anyway, I'm just going on record. I hate the long jump. I think it's pointless. I think it's stupid. Like, sure, it shows athleticism, but I don't care. Um, anyway, so did, that? That is basically kind of the gist of what I had. I just kind of wanted to get through for the intro because those are some gripes that I had. But the big news from this past week without question i would say for people like you and i and a lot of people in our circles that we rub shoulders with is the fact that president ukdorf was a hot topic of conversation i believe it's kind of starting thursday in the twitter world and then the trib released an article because they got a statement from his office that confirmed that his name that he that at least somebody affiliated with him had donated to political campaigns more specifically, Joe Biden, John Ossoff, and Ralph Warnock, and or sorry, is it Raphael Warnock? I can't remember. Um, regardless, in the the two that were in part of the Georgia Senate runoff, that was a pretty hotly contested race because it meant that if they if the Democrats won, they essentially controlled the Senate because they have the tiebreaker with uh, Kamala Harris. So it was a big deal. There was a lot of money going into those races. And um, it came out that Dieter F. Uchtdorf's name had been tied to money that was sent to all three candidates, and there was a lot of talk about how, like, and and especially you know the reason why it's interesting is because the church that we're a part of and that he's an apostle for is viewed as a very very conservative church. There's no question about that, just culturally. Now, does that mean only conservatives are in the church? Of course not. There are plenty of liberals. Um, and there have been liberal general authorities in the past. things have gotten a lot more polarizing I would say since then but that's maybe that's more recency bias on my part I don't know for sure but that's my guess I think a lot I think most people would agree but so that's why it was so interesting because they basically saw a huge contrast that one of the top members, essentially kind of an, administ- in an administrative role that's you know seen as an apostle of christ felt it was necessary to donate to the two or three liberal democratic candidates right that espouse a lot of views that a lot of members of the church would say are in contrast with the overall church's values and principles and that's where i'd have even my liberal friends saying well hold on hold on that's not necessarily what it's all about and that's fine we could talk about that another time i guess but anyway that's just the background so it kind of begs the question you know what what does that necessarily mean moving forward and it was interesting because uh Pre- elder Uchdorf had to make a statement because it's technically against the rules for general authorities i don't know where the line is i don't know if it's like once you're 70 you can't donate or once you're in the presidency of the 70 you or an apostle um that you can't donate to political campaigns uh f- affiliation bears no important importance you just can't donate to political campaigns um and i would bet you that 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 rule is in store because there becomes a weird line between how this is tithing money so essentially uchtdorf could have very well donated tithing our tithing money to joe biden's campaign and Raphael warnock and john ossoff so how do we feel about that
1: well i think first of all we need to um we need to make
0: sure. Now, we're... Real quick, let me clarify. Yeah. I'm being tongue in cheek. Like, I don't actually think our tithing money went to it. Like, it's anyway. I do think that's why that rule might exist, or at least one of the major reasons why. But I don't actually think, like, oh my gosh, tithing money was sent to these men or whatever. Sorry.
1: No. So, well, I think first we need to make sure we don't extend the truth beyond what we know. What we do know is that the donation was made in his name. He said that it was by his family, whatever that means. I I mean I guess that could mean he. And his- I think
0: that means so one, one somebody made the point close to me that th- that probably means it was their his wife. I think there's a good chance that's true. They share finance accounts, financial accounts. That makes sense. It'd be a lot stranger if his kids shared accounts with him and used his credit card. And what I think what happened was that his wife just used his credit card and had to enter his name as what, like, the, whose name was tied to the credit card or whatever. I mean, I'd imagine she has a credit card of her own, but there's probably a lot of mixing and matching that goes on there, too. And that's probably what happened. Is That would be my guess.
1: Yeah, and, uh, I mean, that, that that sounds probably about right. And I guess it depends on what the relationship is between Uchdorf and his wife. I mean, I, f- I feel like they're, for the most part, you would find that spouses would tend to agree on politics for the most part. But I think there are certainly situations where there's some variance there. Um, so I think anything we f- directly attribute to Ukdorf we're doing so with a degree of speculation. But I, I think it's relatively safe to say that this does sort of reveal Ukdorf probably does lean left at the very least. And I think you and I were talking about this earlier this week, but I think the more concerning um, revelation here isn't so much that he donated to Biden because I guess you could argue that maybe he feels that Trump is not good for the unity of our country and all that. And maybe he was doing it under that, I guess, motive. Um, But the fact that he went and donated to the Georgia Senate campaign to me just demonstrates that he's clearly, you know, in the Democrats, uh, I guess he's, he's on their team, so to speak. And he's more interested. Absolutely. And yeah, and he's interested in the, the agenda Democrats have over Republicans, which don't get me wrong. I don't think it's, Normal to believe that Republicans have, you know, that the Republican Party has all of the interests of the church in mind, or that. Yeah, that
0: the church is essentially a voting block of the Republican Party. I mean, it essentially is, but yeah, I, I agree that we do need diversity of thoughts still. So it's not, yeah. we're not making any statements. It's just, yeah, it, the thing, it, it made the Salt Lake Tribune for a reason, right? Salt Lake Trib posted about that, wrote about it for a reason. Yeah, and it's for all the reasons we're talking about.
1: And and I'll add this um, disclaimer about it too, is you kind of have to take into account that Uukdorf is coming from an entirely different background than most Americans are, where he grew up in a different country. He grew up in Europe where there's a whole different set of politics over there. And I know me personally, if I were to go to a different country and try to, uh, I guess, assimilate into their social um, into the into like their social life and their culture and figure out how that intertwines with the politics there That could be kind of a complicated thing And I, I don't know even if I were to go live in a foreign country for 10 20 years I don't think I would ever have the, quite the context and the understanding of that culture To really know how I fit into their politics And so I could see how a guy like Ukdorf would move here and maybe see, you know, Germany obviously being a lot more left-wing than United States is overall. That he might, if, if he was like an equivalent of a conservative over there, he might come here and his politics would would more easily fit in with the Democrat politics here. And then obviously, once he kind of affiliates with them, ob- even if Democrats became more and more left over the years, as we've seen. That he might just go along with that and maybe he's been so busy with his church work that that hasn't even really maybe he hasn't even noticed how far left the Democrats have gone so I'm not ready to you know say Uchtdorf is uh has been misled or anything like that but it is certainly interesting to see uh you know so an apostle go that way
0: I'm not totally sure I can get on board with your approach here because I feel like to some degree you're saying that essentially it's his naivety that's coming into play and that's why it's like, oh, he doesn't know any better because he's a foreigner, essentially. And I I can appreciate what you're saying to some degree because when I was in Mexico on my mission, I remember these members of the church were explaining to me kind of there's two major parties in Mexico, at least there was when I was on the mission, that were known as PAN and PRI, P-A-N and P-R-I, and they were kind of talking about how, like, most members of the church were PAN. I think I'm getting the names right, at least. I mean, they were essentially acronyms, if I'm not mistaken.
1: PAN but, as in bread? Um,
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. But, um, I, like I said, I think they were acronyms. But I could even be getting some of that mixed up. Like, I didn't know a ton about it. But I believe most members of the church kind of went the PAN side. And P.R.E. was, you know, the, the members of the church that were explaining it to me were P.R.E. And they talked about how, like, they felt, like, alienated, even back then, because they they were with the pre-party for the most part. Um, but they were explaining to me, like, what the differences were between the parties, and I was like, yeah, this is lost on me. I'm sorry. I mean, that could have been political ignorance in general, because I just wasn't nearly as political or politically informed during those times, during those years of my life. But I... Like, yeah, that plays a role. I, I, I'm with you there. And, and Uckdorf, I think, has been in the States since the 90s, early 90s even, because he was a commercial airline pilot for uh, Germany, I think, for most of his career. Um, he spoke English at a very young age, so he probably had strong ties to the United States for many years. I don't think I would go the route where I, – I, in other words, I don't know how large of a role that would have played. The fact that it's like, oh, he came to the United States and just wasn't really aware of what party signified what. But you do kind of bring up a more interesting question, which I think is something that needs to be addressed to some degree, which is that when these things happen, we need to acknowledge that, you know, these all all these apostles and prophets and members of the 70 have come from tons of different walks of life, you know, foreign or not. And I think it's interesting to kind of break down what the initial qualifications are for becoming like a 70, an area 70, right? Because that's basically the introduction. Uh, it doesn't have to be, but that is mostly kind of the route that everybody follows. And it's, these these men are, you know, a lot of them are businessmen. Some of them are lawyers. Some of them are doctors. Obviously, mm-hmm. President Nelson is a, was a very famous neurosurgeon, very well known, or sorry, excuse me, heart surgeon. Yeah. Um, and um, I, the, their exposure is going to be very, very different um, from each other, to say the least, just in terms of how life works, right? In order to become uh, a servant of the Lord and have that as a calling, like a major calling in your life where you're basically giving up your professional life to do this, I mean, yeah, obviously some of that is based on spirituality. I would, I would like to think that's what weighs the most heavily. And I'm not at all making an allegation that um, Uchtdorf's spirituality comes into question here. That is not at all what I'm saying. I don't want anybody connecting those dots because that's not. But what I am saying is that um, a lot of how these men are elected or they're, how they're picked in these positions is based on kind of their financial status in life. Like that definitely plays a role, um, maybe to some degree, even what their profession was. Um, and and then obviously like how they've been as a member of the church. And I say that because there's not like a vetting process that takes place like how they vote politically, nor should there be, for the record. I'm also saying that. And so it basically what I'm really saying is ultimately it shouldn't really come as a surprise. And in fact, I think Ukdorf probably represents at least three or four more apostles that are more on the liberal side of the aisle as well and that's where i think is like interesting it's like that shouldn't come as a surprise ultimately because these men grew up in different parts of the world different parts of the country even had very different experiences in their jobs and and grew up in different families that emphasized different aspects from a social perspective policy perspective or whatever and then that became more of an informant on how they think politically than the church to some degree i would imagine
1: well and let's also face it, there there are certain Democrat policies when taken at face value and in a vacuum, you know, they certainly could be you, you could make an argument that they have some more Christ like uh tendencies, for example, like immigration laws, how Republicans have kind of talked a lot about that lately. I could imagine that maybe rubbing Ukdorf the wrong way where he's kind of pro bring refugees in, stuff like that, and you know, Republicans. Well and he
0: even had like a pretty pretty well-known talk i think like uh it was a devotional talk i think where he's like saying how um you know jesus christ essentially would be very pro-immigration like he was he he uh he shared that maybe it was in conference i can't remember and that was because we were having there was a lot of uh, divisiveness over like whether or not to let like the middle eastern refugees into the united states and kind of how to handle that thing and i remember once he gave that talk um p- opinion, church opinion shifted drastically the other way and I think that was a good thing. I actually think that was a good thing that Ukdorf highlighted and I I thought that was important you know there was there was something to be say about letting these people seek refuge into our country and that being the more Christ-like approach.
1: Yeah and I think uh, what I'm concerned about isn't so much that we have apostles that vote Democrat, whatever that doesn't really bother me. What I am concerned about is that, People are going to latch on to this and then use it as an excuse to push their wokeism into the church in all different formats. Where a guy like Ukdorf might have some of these, share some of these beliefs, but with a more virtuous approach to it. Whereas I think a lot of people want to use this to, like, to I guess push a lot of their other agenda into the church, and that's that's kind of where it becomes concerning to me. Cause like i mean obviously the church we have a welfare system and that you know democrats are pro-welfare but the difference being is the church has a lot more control over where where that welfare what where that welfare money goes how it's used and also has a lot more control at the local level on how it's distributed obviously if you try to apply that to a a national government where people's are are paying mandatory taxes and that money's being pushed into all different directions that we don't really have a lot of control over, it's a heck of a lot different than obviously the church taking voluntary tithes and then distributing those on a more local controlled level. So I think people need to be careful that just because Elder Uchdorf voted Democrat doesn't necessarily mean that you, you know, get to stand in your soapbox now.
0: Well, although you say that, but it goes back to that original interesting point, which is that what he was really doing by even donating to Ossoff and Warnock wasn't that he actually had a personal belief that those guys were the best representatives for the state of Georgia. It was actually a statement being made that he literally wanted all three branches of the legislative um, part of the government to to be controlled by the democrats and that's where it does where you you can kind of understand the fodder now that the liberal members of the church have because they're saying well he he wanted these a little bit more radical and progressive decisions to be made at a governmental level and and that's fascinating to me because i mean they've been very clear about their agenda right completely open borders at this point which okay that one that one i can see why uchdorf is for but then they've also been very radical on talking about expanding the supreme court and expanding uh the senate into representation for washington dc and puerto rico which would essentially get them a guaranteed lock in the senate the democrats the guaranteed lock in the senate for pretty pretty much indefinitely for years to come and that to me indicates that like they're Seems to be, I mean, and, and who knows for sure, right? Maybe he didn't actually think through it all the way. That's very possible. And we say he, right, probably his wife or whatever, his family. It was at least at the very least a tacit endorsement. And when you looked at his statement, like, he didn't deny anything about it, right? He didn't distance himself at all. So it basically is Uchtdorf that donated this money, just to clarify. But I just think the uh, overall agenda, that's what he's supporting. And that is what's the fascinating question to me, because, but but then again, on the flip side, the question is, should he not donate just because he disagrees with some aspects of their agenda, but overwhelmingly agrees with others? I don't know where you draw that line. It's an interesting question.
1: Well, and I, I think at the very least, the the, the the one good that comes from this for conservative members of the church is just to make sure we're, we're all taking a good look at ourselves and our politics and... And making sure we're not trying to derive some sense of uh, self-righteousness out of our politics and leave room for people who vote a little bit different than you to have some morality as well, even though they don't quite vote and see things the same way we do. I think that's maybe a lesson all members of the church can learn, both conservative and liberal. Um, Yeah, I couldn't
0: couldn't agree with you more there. And I think that's a pretty good place to leave it for now. Um, I'd be interested to know what some of the people listening to this might think. I mean, I've been getting some awesome feedback from our conversations and people have had some very interesting things to say that I've always appreciated. And that's why I do it because I kind of want to spur this conversation get different opinions out there and get, receive different opinions from others as well. Um, anyway, let's move on. So let's finish this out with kind of talking a little bit about BYU because there is a lot happening with BYU. I mean, the most recent big news is that BYU got seeded as a 6 for the tournament that's coming up this week for the NCAA tournament, March Madness, and we kind of thought they'd be right around there. I actually thought for sure they'd be a 7 because they were right on that cusp of being 6-7. I thought they'd get pushed back a little bit and be a 7, which at this point, looking at it now, I wish they were because they are now going to play the winner of UCLA or Michigan State which is exactly what we talked about last week and which was exactly what we were scared of because i feel like Michigan State um Tom Izzo coaching them like come on like that's that's a recipe for disaster in the first round <laughs> assuming they beat UCLA but who knows for sure but i just i hate it i i hate it i think we're going to lose on thursday but maybe not who knows cuz Michigan State has lost some bad games but they beat two of the four number one seeds in the tournament this year. So what does that tell you? That means that they could absolutely beat us.
1: Well, I think one thing everyone's missing here, because I've seen a lot of people say, Oh, we should have the seven seed. Then we'd be playing Maryland instead. Guess who Maryland destroyed twice this year, Michigan state. Yeah, I
0: know. I know, but still that I don't, I don't care. Like, I still like our chances against Maryland in the first round over Michigan State. I just do, man. I think it's, it's, all, not,
1: it's all name brand, man. This is all name brand we're
0: absolutely. I, I admitted that. I admitted it's name brand, but Izzo's comfortable in the tournament. He just is because they haven't had a seed this low for who knows how many years. I mean, they've been basically a one through four seed for the last 20 years. Yeah. Every time they've made the tournament. Now, well, they haven't made the tournament every year, but...
1: Let's put it this way. They're only a one-point favorite to even beat UCLA. So, they got to beat UCLA before we have to worry about, you know, high and mighty Michigan State. Um, first of all. Second, uh, as far as like the, the metrics and all the computer rankings go, BYU should handle Michigan State pretty comfortably. Now, will that happen? I don't know if I'm not confident about that, but...
0: As far as... I, I mean, will say, I, I feel a lot more confident with Pope than I would have with Rose. For sure, absolutely. Rose's record in the NCAA tournament. I mean, you might have to fact check this, but I'm pretty sure Rose's record in the NCAA tournament was like 2-48. and 48, I'm pretty sure. It, it, it right. wasn't that bad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wish we made the tournament that many times
0: with Rose. Felt like that bad.
1: What, one thing I will say is... I feel like BYU always thrives better when there's a lot of doubters out there. I feel like the worst thing in the world for BYU is to have everyone saying BYU is going to win. BYU is going to be the dark horse. They're going to go far in the tournament. I would much rather everyone write us off and just say Michigan State's going to win that game. I would much rather be in that position than the other way around. It takes the pressure off. And I actually think this is why we'll win that game.
0: Wait. So okay, I, I I give you that there is something to be said about that because it seems like we always just always shoot ourselves in the foot whenever there's a when by when people believe in BYU. In other words, you could you could have almost definitively said that as a four seed last year had it played out that way, BYU would have lost in the first round to a thirteen seed. Is that fair?
1: Yeah. Well, and I'm I'm almost more concerned not so much about Michigan State, but the, the team we'd play after that, which is probably Texas, which is why. I'm actually I can't even remember the name of the team Texas is playing. Um it's like oh, I have it right here. It's uh It's a uh, ACU which I think stands for like something Christian. <laughs> Al- Albanine Christian. Yeah, I'm I'm having yeah, I'm gonna Yeah, ha- it's Abilene Christian. Yeah. I've
0: actually played from former Abilene Christian athletes when I lived out in uh, Lubbock, Texas.
1: Well, I'm uh, I'm going to put them over Texas. <laughs>
0: is that right
1: well you gotta clear the path you gotta plow the road for BYU and that's how you do it you gotta plow and so you put Abilene Christian <laughs> okay.
0: here. how about this though I actually wouldn't put Abilene Christian over Texas I mean like I said I played, over, I played against some of their alumni and I was less than impressed so that should tell you everything no I'm just kidding um, but really I did actually play against some guys that had played there but um, I will say Texas I don't think is particularly good this year though well, that's that. I think the Big 12 might be overrated as a whole, and so I do think if, even if BYU faced Texas, I actually would feel better about that matchup than the Michigan State matchup, believe it or not. I know that probably sounds crazy, but that's how I feel.
1: Fair enough. And, well, Alba and Christian, Christian, to, to their credit, they played two big-time teams this year. They lost to Arkansas by 13, and they lost to Texas Tech only by 7, and I think it was a really close game down to the end. And so it's not like they're just pure garbage, so – Maybe that's the good fourteen-three to pick in your bracket. I'm gonna I'm gonna put my name on that one. The Chase Bartholomew ah. stamp of approval.
0: Yeah, that's when everybody needs to basically pick the opposite. So <laughs> just you've you've all been warned. Um, all right. So that's kind of where BYU stands right now. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. This is probably one of the best times of the year. The weather's getting better. Uh, March Madness is back. It's spring break for a lot of people. Just fun times all around, man.
1: Yeah, I'm still paranoid that somehow BYU is going to get a positive COVID test or something right before and we're going to get screwed for the second year in a row.
0: No, I'm pretty sure they faked it all through the football season. Now, once they've lost the Army game and never got to reschedule it, they're like, "Let's make sure that never happens again." So let's just sweep all COVID tests under the rug.
1: They they just <laughs> they just hire one guy to do all to just spit into a cup for them all day, and they just keep him locked up in some bathroom
0: somewhere. So he just and it's COVID. an it's an intern that <laughs> doesn't have a clue what the hell he's doing.
1: I'm okay with it. Perfect.
0: Yeah, they didn't they didn't say that the person that's giving them their daily COVID test has to be qualified. <laughs> they just say someone had to administer it. <laughs> um, all right. Other news. Nakua Brothers is official. If you would have listened to our podcast last week, we were talking about how that was likely the case. Now, here's the thing. We didn't obviously break that story last week. We are kind of piggybacking off of what was already being talked about. But had you had listened to this podcast, like one of the first episodes, I had said I got information from somebody inside the program that was saying that there's whispers of the nakua brothers transferring i mentioned that that is on record and here we are and they not only did they transfer they transferred to byu so that's kind of cool do you remember that by the way
1: yeah man 50 shades of blue your first source for byu sports rumors
0: yeah which i've already been wrong on a couple other things too because some idiot told me that jaron hall was gonna probably stop playing football and just play baseball, which seemed like it made sense at the time because Jaron Hall was a really good baseball player and he was got had those concussions. So it's kind of like, yeah, maybe just don't beat yourself up. But nope, he did the exact opposite and he's in it to win it for football, which brings me to my next point. The same insider actually talked about how Conover is the real deal.
1: So he says... Uh, this is
0: the same insider that gave me the Nakua Brothers info. So the good one. the good The good insider said apparently... Conover is actually pretty legit and Jaren Hall is not a lock to be the quarterback. And so I think uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out that Conover even apparently gave Wilson a run for his money in practices last year. In some respects, I would imagine there's a wide variance there, but yeah. So that'll be interesting.
1: Well, I I selfishly need Jaren Hall to come and give us one really good season because I really put my neck out there for that kid. saying that he was better than Zach Wilson in 2019. And I, I need that take to, to get, even though I know it's never going to get to the point where he's, oh, Zach- you don't think
0: Jaron Hall could be the number one pick in the NFL next year.
1: Probably not, but I still need some sort of <laughs> validation for that take. Otherwise I'm just going to never be able to trust myself again.
0: Yeah, you say that now, but you've made worse takes than that, if you can believe it. But at least you're honest about your bad takes. That's why I appreciate yeah. you, man. We all are, We as we should be. Anyway, so yeah, Nakua brothers, that's exciting. I mean, Samson's kind of meh from what I understand. At least that's what my Utah fan buddies are telling me. They're kind of like, yeah, he was like, okay. But I, I just think it's great to get another weapon. He I thought he did pretty well at Utah, but maybe maybe that was just bad vision on my part. But Puka apparently is the one that we should be excited about. He was a huge recruit. And he did okay at Washington and then and then kind of didn't do much. But apparently that's relegated to the fact that apparently he wasn't in the good place in Washington. And that's kind of why his mom stepped in and said, you're coming home, bud. Like, I'm not letting you do whatever you want in, um, in Seattle like that. So come home so I can watch over you. And then I think that's why Samson got involved. Because she's like, and Samson's going to be your caretaker. And y'all are going to report to me on a daily basis. Actually, I don't know about that last part, but it wouldn't surprise me. Anyway. Other football slash BYU news. More BYU news, more than anything. Holmo got a big reward this just this past week. Tom Holmo, the athletic director for BYU, got recognized as Athletic Director of the Year. Now, there's some caveats to this I want to point out. He received the award along with three other recipients. Uh, Matt Hogue, Coastal Carolina's athletic director shane lyons west virginia's athletic director and rob mullins of oregon their athletic director all got recognized as athletic directors of the year so the initial news made it sound like it was only homo right they tried to tout that and, and that i kind of don't blame and that's how marketing works whatever that's fine um i think for his football work alone that kind of makes sense and it's like yeah as a year but then you have worth in going in there and saying for his it's a If it was a career award, he'd still be one of the most deserving. And it's like, nope, sorry, cutting you short there, because this is where I go on my homo rant. So in 2019, Tom Homo is in the locker room after we beat Liberty. And it it was a close game. We beat him 31-24. At that point, our record was 5-4. and four. And Liberty turned out to be an okay team, I guess, the following year. So maybe, maybe that wasn't that crazy that we barely beat him our next two games are idaho state and umass and then we were going to finish the season playing san diego state and at that point we're we're five and four and tom homo is in the locker room after the game with the team and they're filming him All right we see this this is there's footage of this and he wasn't even shy about it that was the crazy thing to me too and he unzips his jacket and he talks about how much he loves Kalani as a coach and how much he loves him as a person. And he unzips his jacket and the jacket underneath the jacket is a shirt that says extend Kalani. And the whole player, all the players cheered and Kalani was grateful. And like, it was a moment where it's like, Hey, like this is exciting. Like everybody, like, you know, and I'm sitting here thinking like, for one, who is Tom Homo talking to? Because he's the one that makes that decision. So (laughs) I already had inherent problems with that. But then another Tom Homo's job as an athletic director is not to endorse his own pick. He actually has to answer to us, right? He has to view the fans as the shareholders of the team because we're the ones that dedicate our time, our money, and our passion towards this school. So Tom Homo's job isn't to say, hey, fans, you should all like the guy I picked. Tom Homo is saying, hey, head coach, you better perform for the fans because at the end of the day, this is we need to perform for them. And so I feel like he had the whole thing super backwards. And when that happened at Liberty, we were five and four and I, and I no joke. I don't know if you remember this. This was two years ago. I had said, or a year and a half ago, I was like, there's a very real chance we end the season seven and five because yeah, sure. We'll beat Idaho state and UMass and we ended up blowing them out, but San Diego state wasn't a lock. Oh, guess what? We ended up losing 13 to three to San Diego state. And then we lost to Hawaii in the bowl game we went seven and six and I'm sitting here thinking and we had already extended him four years at that point and I'm like this we extended him four years after having a seven and six season that seems a little crazy to me but whatever I mean regardless like that could still work out I'm, I'm open to that and so I would have I personally would have done a two-year contract and I know people were like yeah but that doesn't happen coaches don't get extended for two years after coaching there for four years and I'm like yeah but he didn't earn it that was the big thing to me is he didn't earn four years now we'll see where this ends up, and I think this season will be the most telling, but I just thought Homo's approach on that was so bad. Because he doesn't, he comes in and says, extend Kalani, guys. Extend Kalani. Like, he looks to us, like, extend Kalani. It's like, guess what, dude? We don't make that decision, idiot. Like, you're the CEO. You're picking this guy. Freaking... Anyway, that that was my big issue. And, And I know something like the freaking ACDA or whatever it is, the National Association of College Directors of Athletics, which sounds about as prestigious as it gets, has zero clue about that sentiment and how he handled that because what was really in the the headline was the fact that Tom Homo really was not sleeping during the football season last year and that was I and mean, then he was just getting schedule as after schedule after schedule after cancellation after cancellation. After cancellation. And so yeah, Credit where credit is due, but overall, I, I think o, Tom Homo has been a very overrated athletic director. I mean, our major sports have not been great for the past decade, and by that, I really just mean basketball and football. And then people always point to the Olympic sports, and they're like, yeah, but they've been great. Yeah, sure. Okay. They don't bring in a lot of money, though. They don't bring in a lot of prowess. They don't bring in a lot of coverage from the media. People really only care about men's basketball and f- college football. It's just a fact. It is. In fact, men's basketball doesn't even bring in money most of the time. Sometimes it can, but... College football is really the breadwinner. So if you're not performing in college football, I'm sorry. You're not that great of an athletic director. And that was kind of the case this last decade. And I don't think he's good at applying pressure on his coaches and being mean. I think he's too soft sometimes. But anyway, rant over. That's my opinion on Tom Holmo.
1: Well, I think the uh, the announcement would have been more acceptable had he done it with a pair of a extend Kalani boxer briefs. But uh, he went with the t-shirt instead. Um, Things always have to take a weird turn with you, don't they? What I I will say uh, is, you know, BYU, this last year, the year that this award was being measured for, BYU had the best combined basketball and football AP final rankings. The 2020 basketball team and the 2020 football team had the best combined final AP rankings of any team other than Ohio State. And so if, you know, if we're looking at this award as a, as an award for the last calendar year, then Tom Homo absolutely deserved it. Do I agree with you that over the course of his tenure, that BYU sports have been for the most part disappointing? Absolutely. Especially the last decade, ever since Jimmer Fredette left BYU, basically other than, you know, a few little moments with Taysom Hill in football, we were extremely mediocre not fun to watch disappointment disappointing year after disappointing year never beat utah during that entire decade and basketball never really made the ncaa tournament other than a couple you know bubble teams um in the mid tooth in the mid 20 teens but yeah it was a disappointing decade and tom homo has you know has to if he's the captain of the ship he has to take responsibility when things are going poorly as w- as well as when they're going well as they were this year so yeah he was the athletic director of the year this year but Uh, he was probably one of the worst athletic directors of the year, the previous year.
0: So let me ask you this. Why would Tom Homo, I don't think would have done that for Bronco and Bronco had actually Bronco never had as bad of a season as Kalani already had had at that point. I mean, what was it? What'd he go like four and eight in 2018, I think, or something, 2017, something like that. Yeah. Um, And, so Bronco never had as bad of a s as Kalani's worst season. And he he had a few seven and five, eight and fives. In fact, I'm not sure Bronco ever lost less than eight games in any season besides his very first season. Um, why didn't Homo show up in the locker room then? Saying well, extend Bronco.
1: Bronco probably I mean, who knows behind the scenes, maybe Bronco had a higher asking price. Um, Kalani seems like the kind of guy that's happy to coach at BYU, even at a you know a cheap BYU. That doesn't matter
0: though. It when it comes to Tom Homo's like optically showing up in the locker room saying extend. So in other words, by that saying Homo doesn't do it because he's like, well, I'm not sure we do want to extend this guy because he's asking too much money. I don't. That's those two things don't equate in my mind.
1: Well, it's just not really Bronco's style either. I think Kalani's more of like a, a showman who is willing to kind of put on the Homo show
0: was doing it though.
1: Yeah. But I'm sure, I'm sure that was taken into account. Bronco probably would have been all awkward about it. And Kalani, no, there's no
0: question about that. Bronco <laughs> was a freaking awkward guy, but I just, I think that's a, I think that's a fair question though. I mean, like in other words, like but this all goes to my bigger point that like homos really only doing this because he likes Kalani on a personal level. And I'm sorry. Like, that's fine. But when it comes to making these big decisions, you can't let these personal relationships affect how you are in public with these guys. I, I think that's such a bad move as an athletic director. I think that's crazy.
1: I agree with you. And the 2020 football season put a lot of that under the rug. And we'll see, we'll see if Kalani can continue that to some degree. Because otherwise, the, the pessimism is going to come right back. From myself included, so you know, I think Tom Homo bought himself a few a few lifelines with the way sports have gone this year. But let's let's uh, see how I feel after we go six and six again.
0: I actually do agree with you there, and I do think like after this year, it's like sure, give Tom Homo the award. That's fine. He he really did earn it. He worked he worked his butt off. There's no question about that. But um, when Worthen gets up there and says that if it was a career award, he'd be just as deserving, and I'm like, nope, sorry, Worthen, you weren't there you weren't there actually he was there he was there before he became president i don't know how long he was there for but regardless worthen's wrong and i guess that's where the i take the most issue with that because this last year sure homo did deserve it but i felt like it was a good opportunity to kind of address how i thought about tom homo as a whole as an ad
1: where where do you think uh what room in tom homo's house is he going to put his award on
0: Um, seems like, seems like a front room guy to me. You're just going to walk he in the front room to know. <laughs> You're going to walk mean, in the way that guy dresses up for Halloween costumes every year. He clearly likes being perceived a certain way and looked at. He loves the attention. And I think he would appreciate the attention of having the athletic director award be the one of the first things you see stepping into his house. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Tom Homo, AD of the year. <laughs>
0: exactly i will say i do think this is actually probably going to lead into his retirement that's my next prediction is that i think he retires pretty quickly here i think he's tired and i think he wants a break and i think he wanted to retire out on a high note and this is about as high of a note as it gets it'll be very interesting to see who byu hires next um will they go the woman route i mean that's not impossible I, I happen to know Liz Darger on a personal level and I really, really, really like Liz. I really like her. She's extremely nice. She's extremely caring about people. I think she's a very hard worker too. Um, so it'll be interesting. I mean, especially with kind of all the diversity stuff that all these institutions are trying to address and BYU is no exception to that. It seems like Chad Lewis is the heir apparent in my mind, but... That might not be as easy to pull off these days. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't really know who the candidates are to be honest.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know either. I, I mean, Chad Lewis is a very clear, like he would. He he's definitely a candidate. He's been with the Athletics Administration for the last twenty years or something like that, and he's been heavily involved in fundraising. Which, by the way, I think is kind of like the the path they like a lot of ads to take, because he's when like fundraising is huge that's basically what athletic directors do they're just trying to get money from donors constantly you're trying to smooge them and so chad lewis has a lot of background in that and so he would be kind of a shoo-in in that regard but i think it might be a little bit more complicated to get him in i do think at the end of the day he probably would get it still but we'll see here's
1: here's my vote hire whoever's going to get us in the big 12
0: that's my vote yeah you still you're still trying to die on that hill huh
1: I feel like that's our path to remaining relevant. I mean, independence is great for now, but every year that goes by, the gap between how much money we make and how much money the big boys make gets a little bit bigger. And uh, you got to make some money to stay relevant. So,
0: Fair enough. All right, Chaser. Well, that's about all I got. You got anything else?
1: No, I think that's uh, that's about it. I think uh, let's uh, let's see if our kooks can uh, make a little Final Four run, or Elite Eight, or even just win a game. How about that?
0: Now that's a very laughable way to sign off. I love it. Great job, dude. Final Four, <laughs> amazing.
1: <laughs> My bracket might show it by the end of tonight. We'll see.
0: Oh no, no. There's no might. You've already filled it out, and they already has one of them has them in the final four. No question in my mind. Well, I,
1: first of all, I'm only a one bracket guy. I think people who do more than one bracket are jackasses, because then you get, I may
0: not actually fill one out this this year. I don't really? know. We'll see. Yeah, you, I mean, you, I don't have any like specific reasons not to. I'm not going to be one of those that's like I didn't fill one out this year. And it was the most enjoyable experience I've had watching. I think that's weird. It's a weird thing to say. It doesn't make sense to me, but it's more because I'm going to be in Mexico this week. I made a decision to go to Mexico, and I actually couldn't have been worse timing. But my buddy that I'm going with, we're going back to our mission to see kind of some of the sights and everything. And it's a cool place. It's Cancun. And um, it was his only week that he had off. So I didn't even think about it. And I'm going to miss one of the best weekends of the year back in the States. It's really too bad, but whatever.
1: I guess there's worse places. So that might be, be why I
0: don't. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But that might be why I don't, because I wouldn't really, really be around to watch any of the games or monitor any of it. Yeah. I mean, I probably will, but just kind of forget about everything, not even remember who I put where, because I won't watch it. Yeah. Well, then I'll no- try and watch BYU, obviously. but.
1: The nice thing about, about not it. having a bracket is then you can just root for upsets, which is more fun usually anyway.
0: So. True. Very true. All right, let's sign off. Thank you, Chase. Always a pleasure. We'll see how we do this week. All right, let's see ya.